Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Thank you again for coming out, guys. I know it's busy figuring out what's going on in life on campus and schedules and classes and trying to get a handle on what you're doing. And so I appreciate you making the time. It's really great to be with you tonight. And um, if we haven't met or if I don't know you well, uh, my name is Lucas Dorado. I'm the campus minister here Um at UConn, this is my 11th year, so I've been around a while. Like, when you guys were kids, I was here, and uh, I'm married to my wife, Maggie. We have two little kids, Margo, who's seven and just started second grade, and Asher, who's four and a half, recently celebrated a half birthday, and uh, he's in preschool this year, so a lot of fun in our house, and, uh, you know, we hope that uh, you'll come over and meet my family, and they would love to meet you. Um, RUF is a Christian community. So one of the things, sorry, I didn't mean to like force you to put that on. <laughs> um, RUF is a Christian community. So we want, us, well, we want it to be a place uh, first and foremost where uh, we welcome each other in and we welcome new people in as we believe that Jesus would. And it's about Jesus. Uh, we want to point each other toward Jesus. We want to learn to love each other in the way that Jesus uh teaches us how to love and we want to extend his love out to the campus so uh, it's a place where you know if you're kind of figuring out what you believe it's a really good place to figure out what you believe and if you're uh, if you know what you believe if you're a christian and you really want to grow it's a great place to grow and serve and there's all these ways that we're looking for students like you guys to join me and taylor and sophie and uh, our mission to uh, just bring uh, god's grace to this campus so i hope that you find a home here. Uh, it's a really good home to find at UConn. And uh, each week we go through the parable. This semester we're going through a different parable. We go always go through some portion of scripture in our UF, and uh, we're going to look at some really great parables, these stories that Jesus told uh, to convey uh, an important meaning, an important uh, message about God and his kingdom and the gospel and tonight we're coming to one of the most famous ones there is, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, you know, most, even if you haven't grown up around a church, you've probably heard the term Good Samaritan, and I'm really excited to look at it together. So uh, let me read it for us, and we'll dig in. Uh, this is uh, Jesus, some ways into his ministry now. Uh, he's been around a while, uh, attracting attention and uh, from crowds and also from religious leaders, and that's where we pick up here. It says, Uh, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, 
A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let me pray for us uh, before we look at this text some more. Uh, Heavenly Father, would you now send your spirit to apply this word to our hearts? Uh, We come from a lot of different places tonight. Some of us are worn out. Uh, Some of us are energized. Uh, Some of us uh, come in faith and some of us come with a lot of doubts. Uh, No matter who we are today and where we come from, we pray that you would meet us there and apply this word to our hearts and change us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, So I've had a lot of random jobs in the course of my life, and one of the random jobs I had when I was a grad student was window cleaner. Uh, Not the kind that is on scaffolding on the side of like a tall building, but uh, residential, so in houses. So people would pay us. These were nice houses because who else pays to have their in, like windows of their house clean? But so a lot of nicer houses, and we would show up and just clean the inside and outside of the windows. And so I learned how to do that. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll show you how. You, yeah, you know, all you need is dish soap and water. That's all we use. And you scrub it on there. You get your brush and you get it all full of soap suds, and then you squeegee. And there's a method called a super swirl that you can do where you go like this and like that so it doesn't leave any you don't pick it up ever you don't leave any streaks and then you get a towel and you wipe the edges and that's how you clean a window and if you do it right i mean it looks really good but uh my experience of cleaning windows was that it was really hard and what was hard was that like at some like it's a window like you're gonna notice like if you look hard enough you'll always find a spot on it and, but at some point, if you're like cleaning a house's windows, you need to move on. And so uh, there was always this like, you know, tension in my mind of like, am I done or should I look harder at this window? And afterwards, you would walk through with the owner of the house and look at each window and they would point out all the spots that they wanted you to wipe up or something. And you would hope they didn't, you know, like sometimes you would see a spot and they wouldn't. And it was just there was always this tension of like, what is good enough in this? And uh I kind of hated it for that reason because I actually knew like I wasn't like I could always do just like a tiny bit better, but I had to kind of pretend like it was enough. And uh, this is a parable for those that relate to God like that. Uh, Do you ever wonder how God would evaluate you? Or when you relate to God, do you ever experience like, you know, you're trying hard to live to please him, but also knowing like you could do more but wanting to rest securely, knowing that, like, I'm, am I okay with God? Is my life on track? And this is a parable about that. And what it shows us is that that approach to God will not work. 
And instead, it offers a new approach uh, to living for God. So if you've tried living for God and it's kind of worn you out, uh, if you wonder where you stand with God, this this is a good parable for you. So the the passage starts with a lawyer putting Jesus to the test. And this is, when it says lawyer, it's talking about uh, uh, someone who studies the Torah, the law of God, the Bible. So this guy is like a religious expert and he's putting Jesus to the test because we talked a little last week about how Jesus was doing things that made the religious leaders be like, whoa, you know, what is this guy doing? He's hanging out with prostitutes and tax collectors. Uh, could he possibly be from God? Is he on the same page as us? And so this lawyer wants to test Jesus. Like, do you, are you reading the same Bible as us? Are we on the same page? And so uh, he, you know, his assumption is like, you know, I'm obviously down with God, so I'm going to find out if Jesus is down with God. And Jesus plays along. He asks him this question, what, what, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what the Bible says. And uh, the man says, well, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus keeps playing along. He's like, yeah, it does say that. Do that and you'll live. You know, if you can do all that stuff, like, you will be set. But then it gets interesting because the lawyer, this law expert, still thinks he can do all that. But it's not enough for him. And it says that he was desiring to justify himself. He said to Jesus, okay, so who is my neighbor, though? Like, he's like, I want to make sure I can check that box off. So even though he feels good about himself, he's still insecure. Like, he's a lawyer or a religious expert but he's still wondering where he stands. He's wondering if his resume is enough for God. And then Jesus does something masterful. Instead of answering his question, he tells a story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in the parable, it's about a, a man who is a Jewish man, doesn't say much about him, uh, is going from Jerusalem to Jericho, a notoriously dangerous road. It's an 18-mile rocky road. Uh, that everyone at that time would have known. And it's a place where there were lots of high mountains around and rocks to hide behind. And so robbers frequently robbed people on this road. And and as the story goes, uh, robbers come and leave this man half dead. And it says a priest comes by. A priest would be a godly person, right? And the priest passes by on the other side. And a Levite comes. And a Levite is like a priest assistant. So also godly man and passes on the other side. And then a Samaritan comes. Uh, Samaritans and Jews were mortal enemies. Like this is, you know, race relations in our country are not good right now. And this was worse, okay? Like Jews and Samaritans, it was bad. There was racial issues. There was religious differences issues that just made these people sworn enemies. And particularly the Israelites just despised Samaritans and, uh, In spite of that, the Samaritan stops. It says he has compassion and he does, he goes on to do every single thing possible to care for this guy. And Jesus says, which one was a neighbor? And the lawyer says, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. So what can we learn then? What's the point of this parable? Uh, I want us to look at three things in this parable. I want to look at the call to neighbor love. I want to look at the flaw in the lawyer's approach. And then I want us to close by thinking about how to love your neighbor. So first of all, the call to neighbor love. Consider 
what the Samaritan does for this half-dead Jewish man, even though they're mortal enemies. Uh, It says he has compassion, even though Jews at that time were terrible to Samaritans. Uh, He stops on a very dangerous road where a man has just been attacked. And he stops anyway. Uh, He takes the time to treat his wounds. Uh, He then puts him on his own animal and they go to an inn where he cares for him some more. Uh, His life is in great danger now because remember, he's a Samaritan and he's in like Israelite territory carrying a half dead Israelite on his back. You know, like that's not going to look good. And he puts himself then on the hook for all the expenses that this guy will incur at the end and he leaves. Uh, And that's the explanation that Jesus gives for what it looks like to love your neighbor as God requires. Okay, it includes sacrifice for enemies, uh, not just the people that are like us or the people we know. It includes everything that they might need. It's putting ourselves in their shoes and saying, what would I want? I'll give them that. And it includes acting this way all the time. And that's the minimum standard. Like, that's God's minimum standard for neighbor love. Okay? And it's hard, right? Like, it's really hard. Uh, And we know that because the priest and the Levite, who are, like, religious, like, probably pretty good guys, they can't do it. Right? And, like, they're probably worried about getting attacked themselves. And so it's too much for them. Like, they might get attacked. And we're meant to evaluate ourselves against the parable, too. Um, And it's worth just stopping and saying, like, do I treat anyone this way? Do I extend this kind of treatment toward people who mistreat me or who are different from me? Uh, Would I do it every time? Uh, Or thinking about the church, is the American church known for treating people compassionately like the Samaritan does in the parable, this outsider? Uh, Are we known for our neighbor love? Uh, even when that includes our enemies, even when it includes people different from us. Um, that's the call to neighbor love. But there's, lim- there's limitations to this approach that we're meant to see. And I want to get into the, the flaw in his approach. Uh, think back to the original question the lawyer asked. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he and Jesus agree on the answer, actually, from the Bible, uh, from Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Uh, but what are the lawyers, assume, like, what's he assuming when he asks the question? First of all, he's assuming what God wants for me is to perform to show how committed I am to him, and then he'll reward me. And the second assumption is I can do it. I can do it. And his assumptions are both wrong. Like, he can't do it, but Jesus plays along in love. Jesus, he wants the lawyer to give up on himself. Uh, I shared this story, I think, with some of you before about a time years ago, before the new rec center was built, when there was the old rec center, which was horrible. And uh, (laughs) the new one is so much nicer. And in the summertime, you know, I obviously, like, don't work out a ton. Like, I don't, like, hit the weights all the time. But uh, (laughs) one summer, I was hitting the weights a little bit. And, you know, summertime, (laughs) it's pretty chill over there. Not a lot of students, plenty of space to work out. And so I was feeling pretty good, getting a little stronger week by week. And and that, that bench press, you know, and uh, what you shouldn't do ever is bench press without a spotter, right? Especially if you're not being, like, extra careful. And so I was feeling confident, feeling, like, pretty good, feeling stronger. And, 
and I'm benching without a spotter. You know, I'm back on my back doing these, and uh, I decide to go for it. I'm like, I can do this. And uh, so I really go for it, and I, there comes a moment when I lose all my strength. And I'm, exert, I'm on my back, <laughs> exerting all my force upward, and the bar is sinking down. And I don't know what to do. And so I turn my head to the side, and the bar is resting on my forehead now. I've turned my head to the side, and I'm just stuck in this position. And I literally can't do anything until, like, someone sees me and comes over and lifts the bar off my head. One of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life. Uh, okay. How long did it take? Uh, it took, uh, it was, I don't know, probably like 10 seconds, 10 or 20 seconds of me just sitting there. And thankfully someone rescued me. But, um, you know, I had lost, I was helpless in that moment. And that helplessness is where Jesus wants to take the lawyer as he thinks about, like, what can I do for God? What will get me somewhere with God? You know, think about that first command that they agree on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Like, who could possibly do even that? You know, like, we're talking about all the time, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Um, not, and it's not talking about love as this like feeling, but it's talking about love as like what motivates you to do everything that you do. Uh, so, you know, who could do love for God motivating everything that you do? The lawyer should have at that moment said, who could possibly, Jesus, how can anyone be saved? How can anyone have eternal life? But instead the lawyer is like, hmm, who is my neighbor? I think I can do all this. <laughs> and so Jesus because he loves this guy, plays along. And through the parable, he gives them another standard. They, they move on to the neighbor love. And he gives them another, it's even clearer now that he cannot meet this standard on his own. And what the lawyer is doing, you know, the law of God is meant, we're meant to see it and see how far we fall short of it. And, you know, in that way it functions like a mirror, right? You look in a mirror, let's say your face is dirty. Your, a mirror will show you that. You'll look in the mirror, you'll see your dirty face, and you'll know it needs to be clean. But what this guy is doing is he's trying to use the law to clean himself up. Uh, in other words, think about like pulling a mirror off a wall and trying to scrub your face with it. Uh, that's how much it won't work to do this approach. Okay, so I want to close then and think about, how, well, then how can we move forward in this like how do you love your neighbor then and the key to this parable is to figure out who is who a care you know we're studying parables all semester so we'll see this that characters and parables represent people that are listening to the parable people that are in like in the scene already uh and if you don't figure out who's who it's easy to make the meaning of the parable be like just go be better go be a good Samaritan. Isn't that like the Sunday school answer? All right, kids, go be a good Samaritan this week. God will be happy with you. And that's to miss the meaning entirely. Because remember, the parable isn't a response to the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's just a response to who is my neighbor? But the conversation, the whole conversation is about eternal life. And the point that Jesus is trying to show the Lord is how helpless he is. And so instead of making the half-dead man a Samaritan that the Jewish person gets to be the hero and save, Jesus makes the half-dead man 
uh, a Jewish man that the Samaritan saves. This outsider comes and saves. And so through the parable, Jesus is asking the lawyer a question. He's asking, what if instead of earning your way to God, earning your way to God's love, which is impossible, what if instead you had to acknowledge that you are doomed and that you have to accept mercy from someone who owes you nothing, someone who you've been sinning against your entire life and has the right to completely pass you by? You see what he's saying. Jesus is the true Samaritan. He's the true good Samaritan. Remember how we were talking about like the risk that the Samaritan was taking on by walking around with the half-dead Jewish man. Uh, Think about how the good Samaritan in the story takes care of every detail of making this guy well again, past, present, and future. That's Jesus. Uh, Jesus comes to his people and they view him as an enemy. They kill him. And we, if we were there, we would have all been in that crowd cheering too. And his death though, takes care of our past sin, present sin and future sin. So that death will never be able to touch us if we belong to him. And you can only receive that if you know that you should be treated as an enemy. He should pass you by, but he's a God of mercy and compassion for sinners, for enemies. You know, in verse 33, it says that the Samaritan had compassion. And this was originally written in Greek and the verb, it's awesome verb, great Greek verb. The verb is splanknizomai. And uh, (laughs) it's based on the noun splanknon, which means... Your bowels. It means your guts. And so, like, when Greek people would talk about the heart, they wouldn't talk about the heart, they would talk about the bowels for some reason. I don't really understand why. But what's talk, what it's talking about is an internal, tra- like, something at your core changes, an internal transformation. Being loved and cherished by Jesus when you're his enemy will change your insides, it will change your heart. And compassion will well up inside of you. You know, go be good. Go be a good Samaritan. That doesn't work. Like, we can't. But here's what does work. What if you're the guy bleeding out on the road? What if Jesus is the good Samaritan who's under no obligation to save you, yet because he's a lover, he saves you at infinite cost, the cost of his own life. He sees all your mess. He sees how hard it's going to be And he goes, he still wants you, even though he sees it all. And when a love like that goes deep into your core, you can love. Uh, When we see the depth of his compassion for us, compassion will well up within us. I want to ask you tonight, do you know that love? If you do, go love your neighbor, like big time. Go love people in costly ways. God requires it, actually, because that's what he is like. It's the best way to live. He wants us to become like him, which means being prepared to lose everything, to love your neighbor. Uh, maybe you're here tonight and you, ha- you don't yet know, you haven't known the love of Jesus in that way. And what I want to say to you is Jesus is offering it to you now through this text, through this story. 
Surrender to his love. Don't be like the lawyer. Be like the helpless guy. Receive compassion from the God who made you. Let it change you at your core. Let me pray for us to close and we'll sing our last song. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray that this compassion would well up in us. I pray that this group uh, would be known for compassion on this campus, uh, that we'd be compassionate toward each other and that we'd love each other, love you, love our neighbor. Uh, But I pray that we would do it out of the compassion that you've shown to us. I pray that that would go deep. I pray that it would change us. Uh, We pray that uh, you bless us as a group in that. Help us and be glorified through us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.